Let's turn together to uh, Hebrews 11. We're gonna. Uh, I'm just. Gonna, I'm gonna leave you guys there uh, the whole time, and, but we're gonna flip around a little bit on the screens and stuff. So, uh, if you like to flip around, that's fine. But if you want to stay there, that's cool too. Uh, we started a series at the beginning of the semester, just going through this chapter of Hebrews, kind of slowly and just looking at everything. Uh, and Hebrews 11 plays a, an important role for us. Uh, God is giving us just a, a whole list of, of examples of people who walked with Him and lived by faith and not by sight. And there are things we can learn from each of them along the way. And so we're just taking our time going through there. Uh, we're going to pick up in chapter, I'm sorry, in verse 20. So the last couple of weeks we've talked about, we looked at Abraham and uh, his wife Sarah and their uh, unlikely uh, heir, Isaac, and you know, last week we looked at, at when God uh, sent Abraham on a on a journey of a couple of days to uh, sacrifice his son and that test of faith. And so, uh, really, the, what we're going to cover tonight is like the whole rest of Genesis in a lot of ways. And we're going to look at uh, in these couple of verses, it covers just the next the next few generations that kind of get us moving along. And you, so you can see the promise. Uh, is really is passed on continually. Uh, if you look at verse 20, it says, By faith Isaac invoked future blessings on Jacob and Esau. So Jacob and Esau were uh, twin sons uh, for, uh, that were born to Isaac. Uh, and then by faith Jacob, when dying, blessed each of the sons of Joseph, bowing in worship over the head of his staff. And so Joseph was one of Jacob's sons, and uh, that's who, where, the, where the promise went to next. Uh, and then in 22, by faith, Joseph, at the end of his life, made mention of the exodus of the Israelites and gave directions concerning his bones. Like, okay, what's, a, what's that mean? All right. Uh, so we're going to go through that. Uh, but a part of what we're seeing is, is in Genesis 12, there were these, these promises that were made to Abraham as a part of this covenant. And we're seeing those promises... Uh, that obviously they were going to outlive Abraham. The promise was going to take longer than he was going to live to be completely fulfilled. Uh, but there were parts of it that were fulfilled while he was alive. But, but you know, it says in this chapter that, that all these people we're talking about, they died in faith. They died not seeing everything come to pass that God had promised. Uh, they saw some of it, but not all of it. And to be able to die in faith in, in part means that we... Um, we go to our grave knowing that there's more to come uh, for the generations that come after us. And we're always looking forward in that. Um, so I, I'm going to put it on the screen, or Clint's going to do it actually, uh, in Genesis 12, what some of these promises are. Um, so in verse 1, Now the Lord said to, to Abram, who would eventually his name would be changed to Abraham, Go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. And I will make of you a great nation, and I will bless you and make your name great, so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and him who dishonors you I will curse, and in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Uh, so within those couple of verses, we see, we see there, there's really kind of three big components of the promise you know, that's made to Abraham. Um, one of them, uh, the, the first thing that, that we see is there's a promise of an heir. 
you know, and, and from an heir, uh, there will be like more kids and more kids and more kids. And so this idea of there being just generations to come from, from, his, uh, from his life, uh, that's, like, that's, that's the first thing. And we see it, we see the offspring and the heir aspect repeated eight times from Genesis 12 all the way to the end of the, of, of the book. Eight different times God is speaking either to Abraham or to Isaac or to Jacob, and he's just repeating himself over and over and over again this promise. Eight times we hear about uh, there being an heir and an offspring and the many families that would come from, from that. Uh, and you, you know, because we've, we've talked the last couple of weeks how Abraham and his, and his wife, they were, just, they were past their like, childbearing years. And this was very unlikely at the time that this was going to happen to the point where they kind of cracked up and thought it was funny. Uh, and uh, God's like, no, no, I'm, I'm going to do this. And so when Isaac was born, that was God in, fulfilling in part his promise. But Abraham uh, died knowing that like he had seen part of the promise, but there was a whole lot more to come that he wasn't going to be able to see with his earthly eyes. So he died in faith, believing that it wasn't going to end with Isaac and, and Jacob and stuff, believing that the earth really would be blessed through, uh, through his family lineage. Um, that's the first thing we see. The second thing we, we see is, is the promise of land, that he was going to relocate them and establish them, and he, God was going to give them land to live in that would be theirs. And from this land and, the pe- and his family that lived in it, the entire earth would be blessed. Uh, we see that promise uh, reinforced ten different times throughout the book of Genesis. So... Um, Eight times about the, the heir and the offspring that would come. Ten times he talks about the land that he would bring them to. And then five times he talks about how the, the entire earth like, would be blessed through his family. That, that through the lineage of, of Abraham, every person on the planet uh, was going to be blessed. And we know now, we look back on it, and that blessing uh, comes because from the fact that Jesus came through that family line. Like that was the... That was, he was really the heir uh, that everybody was waiting on. Even though Abraham was waiting on Isaac, we who were sinners and separate from God were waiting on Jesus to come through that line. And that's what happened. And so, um, so we hear eight times he promises uh, an heir and the offspring that would come through the family. Ten times he promises land. And five times he, finds he, he promises that the earth would be blessed through this. And so um, those promises are, are being passed from one generation to another. And then from that generation to another, and from that generation to another, there is a, a future aspect of things that, um, that we see being traced through uh, chapter 11. Um, if, so if you look back at, at, uh, at Hebrews 11 again, um, verse 20, By faith Isaac invoked future blessings on Jacob and Esau. Uh, if you're a note taker, uh, that's in Genesis 27. And we're going to throw those verses on the screen. Uh, so this, this is exactly what it sounds like. Toward the end of Isaac's life, he, um, he passed the, the blessing and just the direct inheritance of those things onto his son. Now we see there's a pattern throughout this story. And, and at some point down the road, we're going, to, we're going to go through this whole exchange. Because there's just some crazy stuff that happens between Jacob and Esau. And just, the, there's just stuff that just doesn't even make sense uh, at times. Like... Just drama, like family drama, like internal ridiculousness or whatever that happens with these people we're told to pattern our lives after, which I think gives great hope to us who are filled with drama a lot. So um, 
But this is, look at the, at the blessing he passes on to Jacob. Verse 28 in Genesis 27. It says, May God give you the dew of heaven and of the fatness of the earth and plenty of grain and wine. Let people serve you and nations bow down to you. Be Lord over your brothers and may your mother's sons bow down to you. Cursed be everyone who curses you and blessed be everyone who blesses you. There's some direct references to the promises that were made to Isaac's dad, Abraham. So at some point, Abraham had passed that on to Isaac and be like, look, this, these are the promises. He's promised us uh, this, this vast number of offspring and this, this land that he's going to bring us to and um, that through our family, the earth is going to be blessed. You, you keep that going. Because he's not done with us. And he finishes what he starts. And this is what he started. And you're going to carry that forward. Um, and so Isaac is intentionally passing that on to Jacob. And, and there's all this stuff that goes on. It's like, why not Esau? You know, and if they were twins and all this kind of stuff. And there's so much stuff that's in there. But all we really need to be concerned with is that it goes from Isaac to Jacob. Like he purposely passes that on uh, to Jacob because that's what God wanted to happen ultimately. Um, and then, so you go back to Hebrews 11, uh, verse 21. By faith, Jacob... Okay, so he had received the blessings. Now, Jacob is dying. So by faith, Jacob, when, when dying, blessed each of the sons of Joseph, bowing in worship over the head of his staff. Um, so he's dying, and he passes the blessing on uh, to his, uh, what it would be his grandsons. Uh, which, so there's a whole thing there. But that's in Genesis 48. And we see it in verses 15 and 16. This, this sounds like even more specific. Uh, verse 15, And he blessed Joseph and said, The God before whom my fathers Abraham and Isaac walked, the God who has been my shepherd all my life long to this day, the angel who has redeemed me from all evil, bless the boys. And in them let my name be carried on, in the name of my fathers Abraham and Isaac, and let them grow into a multitude in the midst of the earth. That's almost, I mean, that's not verbatim, but I guess it's pretty stinking accurate compared to the original blessing that's been passed on. And so this must have been talked about. This must have been a part of how they lived their lives, how Abraham lived his life and how he trained up Isaac to live his and how Isaac lived his life and he trained up his boys uh, to live and so passed it on to Jacob and how Jacob trained up all his kids, Joseph being one of them. And that's who this was being passed to, not only to Joseph, but to two of Joseph's sons, Ephraim and Manasseh. And so this blessing is just, it's going like generation to generation um, because that's how they must have lived. Because it says in Hebrews 11 that this all happened by faith. By faith these blessings were passed on. By faith... These things uh, were happening in this way. Um, And then if you look back at Hebrews 11, verse 22, By faith Joseph, at the end of his life, made mention of the exodus of the Israelites and gave direction uh, concerning his bones. Alright, so what's up with that? Well, um, at the end of his life, he was, I guess, uh, like most of us, just kind of wanted to be like, okay, what's going to happen afterwards, you know? And uh, so look at, if, if you look on the screens in 24, 24th verse of chapter 50, 
Um, Joseph's about to die. Joseph said to his brothers, I'm about to die. But God will visit you and bring you up out of this land to the land that he swore to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob. Then Joseph made the sons of Israel swear, saying, God will surely visit you, and you shall carry up my bones from here. Now, the story of Joseph, you know, they, um, his brothers sold him and made it look like he was killed or whatever, and then he ends up in Egypt as a very important person in the, like, Pharaoh's, you know, organization, and uh, he's leading all these things, and there's, uh, there's a famine in the land, and his family ends up coming into Egypt because they don't have any food, and things go down and whatever, and they realize, hey, Joseph's alive, and he's the boss, and he can get us food, and uh, there's all this reconciliation, and there's just all this goodness that happens in the story. But what had happened, uh, the, all the ones who had the blessing of the promised land, they wound up in Egypt. And we know from what's about to happen when you turn the page and you go into Exodus, that while they were in Egypt, through all this turn of events, eventually they, become, they end up being slaves in Egypt. And the Israelites were there for a long time. And so here, before all that happens... Here's Joseph about to die, and he's like, hey, look, um, God's going to bring us out of here. And when he does, you make sure that my bones get buried in the, in the land of promise. You make sure that this uh, inheritance of land we've been hearing about from, from uh, you know, Papa and great-grandpa and like all these people, and we've been carrying all this, and we've been living this certain way for all these years. You make sure that when God does this, that my bones are not here in Egypt. You make sure that they're there, and I don't care if that's gross or weird or if you don't really know how that needs to work or whatever. I'm not really concerned about that. You, you make sure that my bones are buried in the promised land because God's going to bring us out of here. All, all of these verses, uh, all three of these in Hebrews 11, are, are pointing to the future. Let's read them again now that there's a little bit of background in place. Verse 20. By faith, Isaac invoked future blessing, blessings on Jacob and Esau. By faith, Jacob, when dying, blessed each of the sons of Joseph, bowing in worship over the head of his staff. By faith, Joseph, at the end of his life, made mention of the exodus of the Israelites and gave directions concerning his bones. All, all three of these verses and the, the men of faith that they're referencing, basically saying, like, look, these, these folks, like, they lived in the present and they lived in, in view of the, of the past and what God has done, but they did not lose sight of what was ahead for them and their families and the future generations and the glory of God through what he was going to do through their family. They, they were born uh, in faith, and they lived by faith, and they died in faith uh, because they didn't lose sight of what was coming down the road. They weren't so focused on right now that they lost sight of it. Which is not to say that right now isn't important. Right now is super important. And it's not to say that the past isn't important, because the past is super important. But sometimes we forget that there is a future that he's leading us into, and how that really needs to factor in uh, to what goes on. And so, what's the bottom line? Like, what do we learn from these examples? Uh, I, believe, I believe it's this. It's that God finishes what he starts. He always finishes what he starts. You know, last week, you know, I... Uh, 
had the, the, these two, two stools out here, and um, everybody was saying afterwards, like, man, we feel bad for the people who are going to listen to it on the podcast, because it's not going to make any sense, because it was all visual. Um, and I had the two stools, and one, one represented like, everything that God had done and, uh, in the past for us, all the evidences of His faithfulness. And one side was just talking about the, the present with our fears and whatever. And uh, at one point, I stood on the communion table, which, sorry about that. Um, it, like I said, it wasn't in my notes. But, um, but it's just how sometimes we get so focused on... The, the present and our fears and our doubts that we turn our backs on all the things that he's done for us in the past. And how as Abraham was, was going toward, the, uh, toward Mount Moriah where God was going to have him sacrifice his son, uh, I, like to, I like to think of them like walking and his like maybe holding hands with Isaac and as they're walking and they're walking and they're walking and they're like how in the world could he be ready to go through with it? And it's because of whose hand he's holding, you know. Because Isaac was, was proof that God is trustworthy and good. And we looked at the verse last week that basically it was like, look, if, if you think Abraham didn't have the in, like, full intention of going through with it, then, then you, you need to read it again. Because um, sometimes I think the vibe is like, he knew God was going like, to not make him do it the whole time. Hebrews 11 says like, no... He had every intention of going through with it because he believed that, that God was going to raise him from the dead. So he was going to murder his son. Why would he do that? Well, because this, this son shouldn't have been born in the first place. And it was evidence of God's faithfulness. Isaac, representing the past uh, and what God had done, he also represented the future and what, was God, and what God was going to do. And sometimes we're just so in the present that we forget past and future and these guys, in this verse, in this part of chapter 11, is telling us that the future needs to play a role in the present. It absolutely must make a difference in how we walk by faith. And, and sometimes I think we have blinders on, uh, like just way too much, and we aren't really sure what's, what, what role is the future supposed to have. You know? and, for, and for them, they had seen some stuff, but they hadn't seen all of it. And so they died believing we haven't seen we haven't seen it all. But somebody's going to see it. And it's going to be the next generation and so I'm going to make sure that they know and that they walk in faith because God finishes what he starts and he started something with us and he's not done with it yet and even though my life is about to come to an end, you keep going because he finishes. And so what 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 role is the future supposed to play, I guess? we believe that he started something and he's going to see it all the way through, then how, how does that make a difference in where you and I are today? Um, turn with me to First uh, Peter chapter 1. So we have to let the, the future make a difference. And, and not just any old future, but the future as, as it connects to the promises of God for our lives. And, you know, promise of God, that's, that's tricky because uh, it's such an abused term, I guess, in some ways. Um, meaning, like, people just like to throw everything out there as a promise, you know. Like, oh, God promised me that, he promised me this job, you know. He promised me a raise, or he, he promised me this, or promised me this, or promised me whatever. And um, I've seen a lot of people walk around with, in, with a lot of pain and confusion 
and whatever, when those promises don't come true, and they're hanging on to them, they're like, no, God told me He was going to do this, and you know, I believe Him. And so they like, put themselves out there, and believing that they're walking by faith, but they're calling something a promise that was never a promise. Um, and there are just lots of times when, like I said, that ends up just a lot of just, just very confused and just whatever. And, and I believe that we can help each other avoid that kind of heartache um, if, we're, if we're willing to speak the truth to each other and if we're also if we're willing to receive that, the truth when it's spoken to us. But um, the, the best way to avoid that kind of stuff is you don't call something a promise unless it's a promise. And you don't see promises made to us outside of the Word of God. And so, uh, if there's a verse you know, that says, you're supposed to marry this person, because God promised you, then, then show, it to, show it to your friends, and I'm sure they'll be on board. Um, but that verse doesn't exist in the Bible. You know? So maybe He didn't promise you you're going to marry this person. If, there's a verse that says that God has promised you this job or a raise within this job or that he promised you this or this or this or this or this, whatever. Um, those things aren't in the Bible, and don't call it a promise. It's, it's great if, if, if you're saying, I really believe that he's leading me toward this. I, I really believe that he's doing something here, and I really, like I'm trusting and I'm asking for this and all that kind of stuff, but it's not, don't call it a promise if it's not a promise. Don't call it a promise if it's not in the Bible. Um, just call it something else. Um, call it for what it is. You know, and there was a, you know, when you look at, at where the ring has come from, um, a lot of times we, you know, we're terrible about, like, talking about, like, the good old days and all this kind of stuff or whatever. And uh, the good old days weren't that great, first of all. They were, we were all, like, young and dumb. And looking back on it, we are just, like, shake our heads, like, how, how do we... How do we get away with this, you know, for so long? Um, but, you know, we've been around since 1998 in reality. And uh, so sometimes you'll hear us reference the very first time we did uh, the 30 days of prayer and how out of that we had this sense that God was going to take the ring as a college ministry and he was going to plant us as a church at some point. And so we came out of that experience, many of us, using the term promise as a part of that, you know. God has made us a promise that he is going to take us and we're going to be a church somewhere in Baton Rouge and all this kind of stuff, whatever. And, um, and, and just, I think there was just a lot of like he promised us this. That kind of lingo, that kind of terminology that went for years. And so there was definitely like a, a dip in the enthusiasm after a couple of years because it hadn't happened yet, you know. And we're going to be like, wow, one day, because he promised, he promised, he promised. And... Um, even when we launched that night, like I probably used that same termino- terminology of like, he promised us this and now it's true and he keeps his promises and all this stuff. And the reality is, the older I get, I'm like, no, he didn't promise us that. He did promise us that he was going to build his church. Right? That's in the Bible. And that uh, the gates of hell would not prevail against his bride. That's in, that's in there. That um, all of us who are in Christ are a part of the church. You know, that's in there. So we're, we're in. We're a part of, of his bride. And he promised that he would never leave or forsake his bride. That's in there. Um, and that he was with us always, even to the ends of the earth. Like, no matter what we face, that presence that we were just singing about er- earlier, like, that's always there. Like, that's a promise. Um, the church is going to, she's beautiful. 
And Jesus is going to present his bride to the Father as a perfect, spotless, without blemish bride, like separate from sin, his righteousness applied to her. That's a promise. Um, the nations are going to be reached through the church. That's a promise. Um, we will receive power when the Spirit comes upon us, when we're saved. That's a promise. We will be his witnesses all over the earth. That's a promise. Uh, we're grafted into the, the promises of Abraham through that inheritance and that offspring and that land and, and the blessing of the nations. That's a, a, a promise. Uh, he didn't say the ring was going to become a church. That's not in the Bible. That was never in there. But there are all these other promises that he's made to us. We can stand on those. You know, We can stand on what he has done. We can stand on who he is. Um, and, and those big picture... Like he's like imminent and transcendent, those kinds of promises that are with us, that's, that's, that's perfect. But we shouldn't stand on things that aren't in God's word as promises. And so we have to be good, good stewards of knowing what, what is and what is not a promise. And so how does the... Okay, so you, so you see Isaac, you see Jacob, you see Joseph... Um, You see them passing on these blessings, and they're standing on these promises that God has made uh, repeatedly throughout their lives, and all this kind of stuff. And now here we are, we're here, we have the Bible, we have these things that are written, we're trying to to separate out what's a promise from God versus what what are we sensing He's leading us into, He's leading us into, what are the things we can build on versus, you know, whatever, what are the things we're hoping for, Uh, all this kind of stuff. What, What about the future, like, how is what's ahead of us in the unknown, in the darkness of the next moment, how does that kind of stuff play into it? We've covered the past. We talk a lot about the present. Uh, what about the future? We'll look here in First Peter, verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to His great mercy, He's caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you, who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. In this you rejoice, though now for a little while, if necessary, you've been grieved by various trials. So that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold that perishes, though it's tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Though you have not seen Him, you love Him. Though you do not now see Him, you believe in Him and rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory, obtaining the outcome of your faith, the salvation of of your souls. That's a stellar passage of scripture. Like that's like that's the big like steak dinner like passage right there. Like you just want to go slow and just savor it and uh, like it's just so good. And I'm about to just not even do it justice. We could be weeks in a passage like this. I'm about to sprint through it uh, just really quickly, but but. We have to understand, like, that's just some of what he's saying. He's like, hey, don't get so caught up in now. 
that you forget what's in the future. It says you, your hope is, is found in Jesus, yes. And where is Jesus? Is he in the past or is he in the present or in the future? Yes. Yes, he is. He's in all those things. So let the future play a difference. Just like last week, we talked about letting the past make a difference. Let it play into it. Let's go back to verse 3. Uh, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to His great mercy, okay, in a merciful, loving, perfect way, He's caused us to be born again to a living hope through the, re- through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. A, a hope that is alive. It's a hope that is living and active and breathing and caring and present and it's all there. Our hope lives through His great mercy and through raising Jesus from the dead. He's raised Him and what He's saying is this is, Jesus is the object of your faith. That's where, that, that's where your hope is, is found. That's where you place your hope. Just, just on Him. Verse 4, to an inheritance, okay, what, inheritance, that's, right, what you're going to get, right? What's coming to you? Now here, earthly sense, and you know, we, inheritance is tied to the passing of relatives or friends or whomever, and I don't know if this ever, I don't know if it really goes this way, but like you've probably seen on TV and movies a hundred times, like, the gathering with the lawyer, you know, and they read the will or whatever, and you find out whatever, like that kind of stuff. What, what's coming your way? We don't, you don't have to wait until that moment where there's like some secret reading that the lawyer reveals, or you watch a you know, cryptic video of someone who they made it before they died, like telling you what everybody's going to get or whatever. He's already told us, all right, this is what's coming your way. This is what is, is coming to you uh, in, in the future. Um, to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, unfading, and kept in heaven for you. All right? Your future and my future, for those in Christ, there's nothing that can get to it. Nothing that can get to it. Um, It's imperishable, all right? It won't rot. It won't spoil. It won't go bad. It won't be compromised in any way. Um, Undefiled, all right? There's a purity about what waits for us. Uh, unfading. Um, it doesn't, it's not going to lose its luster over time. Uh, kept, well, we'll get to that in a second. Think about the inheritance that is, is ours, though. Like, it's, it's untouchable. It, as far as, like, things that will, like, in any way compromise it or, or whatever. That the inheritance for us... Um, Meaning, like life with Christ forever, that the new heavens, new earth, like all the things that we had to look forward to when we think about heaven, uh, everything being made new, life in, in a place where there's no, like the effects of sin are not seen anywhere, in a place where, where there, there is no need for a law and order SVU type, you know, whatever, that there isn't a train station in India, you know, for kids, a place where there, there isn't heartache between uh, us, like interpersonally, that there isn't any selfishness, there isn't any, 
There isn't any pain. There isn't a reason to cry. Uh, there just all the things that we hate about living here and all the things where you, when you read the news or you wonder about what's ahead and you're like, oh man, like Jesus just come back quickly. All those, like everything, 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 the inheritance that we have where none of that stuff, all the after effects of sin are not there and nothing can touch it. It's not at risk. So if, you're, if your inheritance is... Is, is a beach house in, uh, I don't know, Fort Walton, all right? That's your inheritance. $3 million beach house. Are you nervous about that? You should be. Because hurricanes mow through there all the time. It's greatly at risk. You could, you could have an inheritance that's some perfect cabin or whatever, like in some part of California, and what happens when we watch those wildfires roll, roll through there? It's at risk. You could inherit $2 million. And does anybody feel good about money anymore? No. It's terrible. It's terrible. All those things in an earthly inheritance kind of way where it's always a risk and you're sitting there and you're like, man, I hope nothing happens to it and I hope whatever and I hope the government doesn't do this and I hope this and hope this and hope this, all that kind of stuff. It's a joke compared to when we look forward to the inheritance in Christ. Nothing can touch it. Nothing. You come up with something that might happen, and, it, and the Bible says that, that that can't happen. In order for anything to, to uh, in order for that inheritance to perish or fade or, uh, you know, whatever, what would have to happen is God would have to be like, you know what, I'm just kind of tired of being God. So I think I'm just going to do something else. And he's not going to do that. He's not going to do that. It's imperishable. It's unfading. And it's kept, it's just, it's kept in heaven for you. Who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed at the last time. You realize that, that it's not only being guarded, but you're being guarded? And I'm being guarded? That the inheritance in and of itself is like nothing can touch it. But there's this guarding and this protection that's happening. So you're walking through your life, and if you just think in a linear like timeline sense, you're going moment by moment. You're going, you're going, you're going. And the whole time you're being guarded. 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 And you're on, you're on this path that leads all kinds of different ways or whatever, but in another sense, you're on, a, you're on like a point A to point B path. He's taking you from like where you are to your inheritance. And you don't know when that big leap is going to happen. You know? but at some point, you're going to pass away. And every moment that you live on this earth is guarded through faith by the goodness of your God, who is everywhere all the time, you know, perfect in power. All those, like, all those things are, just remain to be true. And so the future, where he, what he has for you... It, completely makes a difference because it's so important that you're being guarded and it's being guarded and everything's being guarded. You only guard things that are important. And if it wasn't important and it wasn't supposed to make a difference in today, then why would he tell us? Why does that matter? Why does it even matter if it's not supposed to factor in? Verse 6, In this you rejoice. Okay, In, in this you rejoice. In, in knowing this secure future that Jesus has provided for you, you rejoice. That we should 
walk through our lives, and we should just be pumped. They, they, on your best day or your worst day, you know it doesn't change? I mean, there's a lot of things that don't change. How God feels about you doesn't change. Your salvation doesn't change. But your future and like where things are going to land, that doesn't change either. And so in this, you rejoice. And I love Peter's perspective, which is much like Paul's. Though now for a little while, if necessary, you've been grieved by various trials. Like this is what a like in some ways, like Peter, he's like that, he's like that guy that's like just, just such a jerk, you know? Like he's gonna be like, hey, I know that this is what you're facing, but it's just so it's just for now. And you're like, this might last for the next like fifty years of my life. He's like, Yeah, but just psh, drop in the bucket, right? And you ever feel like Paul's saying that? He's like, oh, it's just light and momentary affliction. And you're like, all right, well, I've looked back on the last 10 years of my life, and this light and momentary affliction ain't been light or momentary. And Paul's like, oh, don't worry about it. Well, if you're immersed in the present, then sure. Those words from Paul or from Peter, as great as they are, you're probably like, oh, that's the last thing I need to hear, man. But every time they talk about light and momentary or whatever, it's always in light of eternity. It's always in light of the inheritance. It's always in light of where God's taking you and who He is and who you are because of who He is and, and your future together. And he's like, hey, think about the future, man. Like this, yeah, life on earth, guess what? It's supposed to be hard. We live in a world that's broken by sin. Now, it doesn't mean that everything's terrible until you die. That's not what it's saying. It's because the, the kingdom is not just future. The kingdom is now. So the future is supposed to make a difference in now. There's a chapter in the Good and Beautiful Community where he describes, like, takes some of these ideas, and he's like, he's like, look, this is a paraphrase. He's like, hey, look, don't forget that we, we as the community of Christ, we, our roots are in the future, and the branches reach into the present, not the other way. We're not necessarily rooted in the past or in the present. Our roots are in the future, and then the branch, uh, branches of that tree reach into us now to bring us what? Hope. Hope that as we live by faith and we walk in love, that we're realizing that our, our hope has been thrown way down the line. It's been thrown onto Christ and what He has done. And our hope doesn't stay stagnant in the moment. It goes forward. And he's like, that's what Peter's saying. He's like, look, you got to rejoice in this. Yeah, you might face some like temporary stuff from time to time, these various trials. Um, don't discount the present. Don't dismiss it, because look what he says about it. Um, uh, verse 7, So that the tested genuineness of your faith, your faith more precious than gold that perishes, though it's tested by fire. All right? Your faith is more precious than gold. Um, he's testing it, but it will be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. But the difficulty you walk through, it's refining you, and it's the kingdom now. It's not just a kingdom in the like one day down the road. It's the kingdom now. And yes, things are difficult, but it's not wasted. The past is not wasted. The present is not wasted. The future is going to be incredible. Let that make a difference now. Don't lose sight of it. Verse 8, Though you've not seen Him, you love Him. Though you do not now see Him, you believe in Him and rejoice with joy that's inexpressible and filled with glory. Obtaining the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your souls.
Like that's where this is headed. Don't forget the salvation of your souls. It's what Jesus is doing in us. And so, yeah, we can't get, we can't be super focused on the present and forget the past, and we also can't ignore the fact that He's told us the future. So, where does this apply or fit in or whatever? Let me tell you a couple quick things. I think there's some personal application that can be made for all of us. We're like, okay, the future, the present, the past, seeing all of them, not getting super focused on one without the, you know, holding them all in tension together. Like, personally, in your own sanctification... Philippians 1.6, He who began a good work in you, right? He will bring it to completion. In a personal sense, I really think that the future, you need to just keep in mind, like, do not give up. God initiated something in your life. He began a good work in you, and He finishes what He starts. He's made you promises that He will keep, and has kept, and is keeping, and will ultimately bring to fruition, don't give up. Don't give up in those personal ways that He's sanctifying you and growing you. In those trials, let, let the hope that He's given us in Him, let it be that steadfast anchor for your souls. It says in Hebrews 6. Let, let that play the role it's supposed to play. He didn't have to tell us the end. You know? He didn't have to give us, like, give everything away necessarily. And some of those movies and TV shows I've seen where the, like the will is read, it's like a surprise to everyone, you know? And in all those situations, there's usually a reason why whoever was, whoever passed away didn't tell everybody ahead of time, this is what you're getting, this is what you're getting, what you're getting. Probably a good reason for that, because when you're dealing with a bunch of humans, we would probably be either, either really, we'd probably just be very dramatic. Um, but with Jesus, he's like, hey, I'm, I'm going to totally tell you how things end. Why would he do that? Because it needs to make a difference in how you live today and how I live today. So in our sanctification, I think some of what we learn from these guys is don't, don't give up. He's not done. Things may be difficult. It's not over. It's not the end. Um, I think with, uh, with some of our friends, uh, this is a great reason to speak the truth in love and to walk deeply in community with each other. Not just to look the other way about stuff and not to whatever. Because the, fu- the hope of the future reaches into the present. And so it's okay, it's okay when there's conflict to talk about it. It's okay when there's patterns of sin that need to be addressed. And it's okay to have awkward conversations. And it's okay uh, to step out and encourage someone in a way that maybe you aren't comfortable with all the time. It's outside your personality. In light of the future... Let it affect the present with your friends. Um, with your f- families, if you're married, uh, the future should motivate you greatly as a helpmate in the pursuit of holiness together. That God has, has put you in a covenant, and a part of, of what it is is for like an iron sharpening iron type situation to, uh, to refine and to grow. Um, and I believe that the future plays a role in that. It also plays a big role in you like discipling your children. That we see Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Joseph. We see it being passed on and passed on and passed on. And there's a lesson in that for our, our parents. 
and, uh, and which is not at all in any way trying to do anything but encourage you to keep doing what you're already doing and to keep pursuing that. And even if the, even if the fruit that's like coming of that maybe isn't necessarily what you want, you need to have faith to believe that the Word of God does not return void. It's never wasted. It's never these efforts that you're making. Um, it's not just for nothing because He has begun good work and He will see it through. And you just hang in there with your kids. Um, and also, I believe it has implications for our church family um, that this is his church, not ours. And uh, he's got a plan for this, this place, this family, this group of people that he's put together. And we have a weird history, and we're, they're, they're, in a lot of ways, we're, just, we're very normal, like every church that's out there. In some ways, we kind of have some unique things as well. Um, but he's not done with us. And we're all of us are just trying to follow him forward in things and whatever that looks like. And it doesn't always make sense and stuff like that. You know, we've made some adjustments to how we do some things around here lately, and we're just trying to we're just trying to be obedient and follow him forward. But when you look at the future and you look what he has for his bride, it's it's all it's worth it. All this is worth it. Every bit of it is worth it. You know, we had, part of our covenant is that we walk together through. Uh, through every, anything that happens in life, no matter what victories or struggles come our way, we're going we're gonna to get through it. We're going to make it. Um, same thing for the global church, because we're trying to work together as Christians to reach the nations and to, to go into those places. And that's, that's, the future plays into all that stuff. It's not just what he's done or what he's doing, it's also what he's going to do. And so we're looking down the road, and I believe that this is such an important element of what it means to walk by faith. Uh, like we see a full, the full spectrum, past, present, future, take it all in, and figure out what does this have to do with right now. Um, so I don't know where it fits in with your life, uh, but I believe that it does uh, in very good ways. So let's pray together. We're going to sing a little bit. Lord Jesus, I thank you for... Um, for these examples of faith and just for the way that they weren't so consumed with themselves, that they, uh, I don't know, that even as they were at the end of their lives, it just it wasn't about them anymore, uh, that you had, you'd worked your, them through those things and through just a lot of different situations, that they had come to realize that your promises were real and um, that you had had called them and were doing some very special things among them. And as we learn from their example, Lord, that uh, they acted and they passed on those blessings and they looked at the future, they did that by faith because they really believed that you weren't done. So God, help us because, uh, you know, at times we just get get really, really, really focused on right now and just the immediate... And you've given us a glimpse into eternity, and that's supposed to impact us today. But it, we don't always know how that works. Um, and so we need your help. And I thank you for Peter's uh, challenge that he, um, you know, that he gives, and that we're, we read that, and how looking into the future and realizing what you have done, how that's supposed to evoke worship in us and, and great joy. And so I pray, God, that as we, as we sing now, it's just one form of worship, but it's, it's a very powerful one that we can 
can sing in the midst of trials and struggles and whatever's going on. Uh, as we look to just the, the big picture and uh, the story that you're writing and the, the fact that we get to be a part of it at all. And so, God, maybe just these songs that you'd use these truths and help us to declare them. And uh, may this, this just, just be the, the response time that you've called us to make. Them. Uh, pray that we would just respond to who you are and all that you've done. And we pray this uh, and love you. And I pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, let's stand up.